0: I'm CJ.
1: And this is Harry Potter Movie Minutes. The podcast
0: where two friends break down the movies of the wizarding world in excruciating detail and obnoxious commentary.
1: <laughs> Thanks for listening. Okay, let's go. Howdy.
0: Hello. Greetings. Oh, hey. We're not alone.
1: We're not alone. <laughs> that makes it sound like a like conspiracy podcast about aliens. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, it's not far off. Uh, thank
2: you. Appreciate that. That's a great
1: introduction. <laughs> <laughs> and here is our alien expert. Hi Brock.
2: <laughs> hey guys, how are you?
1: So good. So good to have you back.
0: Back for a third time. He can't get away from us.
1: He's tried. He's tried. We just <laughs> keep sucking him right back in. Sorry bud.
0: <laughs> we just keep showing up at his house going, hi, I want to <laughs> record a podcast.
1: Yeah, we have our microphones in tow. It's kind of awkward, but he likes it.
2: I'm I'm glad to be back.
1: Yay! Shall we get started then?
2: Yeah, let's do it. Let's dive in.
0: So episode six, uh, this section begins in the Gryffindor common room where Hermione is going off about Umbridge. She calls her a foul, loathsome gargoyle, which I think is a repeated line. Doesn't she use that again or use that before?
1: Foul, loathsome, evil little cockroach ah metaphor.
0: yes you're right i knew it that it clicked for me today familiar. too
1: yeah I was like, this feels familiar
0: but yes uh umbridge is awful and she's taking over the school and she's not actually teaching them um she's interrupted by a radio broadcast that is coming from a giant light bulb
1: <laughs> we gotta talk about this radio thank you uh, brock <laughs> you're our um what was that megaphone like radio oh, gramophone. Yeah, the, the gramophone yes thing. So, as our audio expert, <laughs> <the> <laughs> fuck is this radio?
2: I have no idea what goes on like in the world of technology at Hogwarts or lack of technology. I'm, I'm not sure there is a valid explanation
1: for what was going on with that. I, I think I, again, I think they're just like, and it's quirky. I'm like, but it's the <laughs> '90s. <laughs> we, we had more advanced. We had boomboxes. We had for <laughs> sure. and i just get i get that there's like aren't there there were radios that had like tubes in them yes
0: yes definitely
1: but a a giant light bulb (laughs) like i feel like we're taking some liberties here i thought
0: it was i thought it was funny that it was just a giant light bulb that had like a radio face on one side and i'm like hmm is this like wizards tampering with muggle gear and then they like magic it together and they're like, hey, look, I made a radio. <laughs> Could be. Uh, maybe. I don't know. It was giving me Arthur Weasley mad genius uh, kind of vibes. I don't know. I don't hate it. It was just a little weird. Um, I, I, I Hmm. The idea that it's a light bulb bothers me because electricity is not supposed to work on Hogwarts grounds, oh. and like radios aren't supposed to work on Hogwarts grounds. Fuck, you're right, yeah. Um, I get it. Like Making the audience read things from a newspaper or listen to a character read them is not an ideal. We already talked about it being a handicap of the medium in a previous episode Yeah, um, where we're hearing things like this. Um,
1: voiced over to
0: it, introduce it it. it. it is what it is. I, I feel like saying, like, there's no electricity at Hogwarts is a little pedantic. But what are we here for if not that?
1: <laughs> Precisely.
0: Um, anyway, so this, there's this radio broadcast happening, and it is featuring Fudge, the Prime Minister, or the Minister for Magic, excuse me, Fudge. Uh, and he is pinning the recent disappearances on notorious mass murderer Sirius Black. Someone says Harry's name and they look around kind of somewhat comically. Hermione does a, what the crap, and like looks behind her. Uh, Harry and Ron seem to notice uh, the source is the fireplace. Turns out it's Sirius's head, speak of the devil, uh, right there in the fire. Kind of. I, Uh... no. Honestly, look, no. I'm just thankful it's not Ember Jesus again. I'm
1: glad I said it's no longer Fire Jesus, but explain this. Explain how from one movie to the next, he's gotten so much more advanced. And like, I didn't think there were two different kinds of flu powder, right? Maybe there's flu powder in logs. Was he at home with me? It doesn't make any sense.
2: It's a weird hologram, right? And yes, I don't... but he's
1: not quite in it either. Did you notice how he's like kind of fading in and out his face? Right. Yeah, it's it, giving it...
2: me like Zordon
0: vibes that time that he almost died. <laughs>
1: I said, Force Ghost, like from <laughs> from Star Wars. <laughs> they are our only hope. Like, We're
0: giving mm-hmm. really great, uh, really great references here. Anyone born after 2000, just do your research. I I don't have anything for you.
1: <laughs> anyway, it, it really
2: is incredible that now they've they've had two chances with something that is explained very clearly in the books. You just stick your head in, and then your head's there. And they they've gone two different directions. And they've been wrong both
0: times. (laughs) (laughs) They've somehow succeeded at doing this incorrectly twice. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Uh, So Sirius asks the trio what's going on with Umbridge, and he kind of fills them in on what's going on outside the school. That Fudge is really paranoid that Dumbledore is assembling an army to take on the Ministry. And as a result, he's being a D-bag, and he's blocking the Order's efforts every chance he can get he ends here with a very like abrupt like someone's coming. You're on your own.
1: Hey, that too. I'm like, I'm sorry. He's at home,
0: <laughs> right? Like he's in Grimwald Place. What does it matter if someone's coming?
1: It was the opposite. It was, but we can't get into all that because that doesn't even happen this early, right? It's way later. No, and you it to doesn't. Serious and gets caught by Umbridge. Fine. Why is Sirius got to go? <laughs> you live alone
0: so in the book this is that conversation when sirius gets really shitty towards harry and said like because he offers to come and visit them and they're not next hogsmaid visit and harry's like no you absolutely can't um and he says something really shitty here about um your
1: father would have thought it was worth the risk
0: right harry is less like james than he thought the risk would have made it fun for james
1: nobody's coming you live alone you <laughs> know what it almost felt like is like you ever been on ever been on the phone with your mom she's like oh someone's beeping in you're like i know they're not you just <laughs> no, not. you just want to get off the phone like, yeah you just oh someone's coming you live alone
0: <laughs> in the book he says i can hear creature coming down the stairs and it's like what what the fuck do you care <laughs> he's literally he was your mad slave
1: and wanted to get off <laughs> yeah that in yeah. that situation he was mad and wanted to get out of the phone the conversation so he said i hear creature coming i gotta go
2: yeah so it kind of splits the difference between the two in a way that doesn't make sense right so it's as if as if he hears creature coming and just wants to get off the phone but yeah. it, that's not a valid excuse and the uh, so instead he incorporates the the fear of the time where he hears umbrage but we don't see umbrage so the fear yeah. doesn't make sense
1: yeah and it's also it's, felt as useless as the last time in four and he's like, keep your friends close, Harry, bye-bye.
0: Yeah, this conversation does actually nothing outside of giving them the idea for Dumbledore's army. Yeah,
1: you're on your own. Bye. <laughs> OK, just always and out, huh? Great guy.
0: Oh, yeah, great father figure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so the trio stand up uh, away from the fireplace, and they approach the window where our favorite character, the weather, <laughs> is doing more acting in the scene than anyone else. <laughs>
1: I wrote, I'm like, should it feel this sinister? Like, it's supposed to be like an inspirational moment of like, you know what? We got an idea. We're going to fight back. Like, maybe just thunder would have been fine, but this felt like Frankenstein's monster was being created. Like, it felt like a weird, sinister moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. This thunderstorm is raging out there, and everything is dramatic. Hermione makes the pronouncement that he's really out there, and it's like, yeah, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> what? Okay. Um She continues that they need to be able to defend themselves and then declare us if Umbridge refuses to teach us how we need someone who will. Cue close-up on crash. Harry with <laughs> yeah. daunting motive underscore lightning thunder. dun dun don.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like, this is supposed to be kind of like a happy, inspirational, like, fuck this, yeah. we're gonna, Like, the music they do later when they're signing the, the paper, I'm like, yeah, that yeah. that's appropriate. <laughs> this is... I didn't like it.
2: It was just... It's the sort of thing that only person... Knew. I've never had a moment with two of my friends where we were all just called to stare out a window together.
0: (laughs) Wait, what? No, not really. (laughs) Uh, The weather transitions us from, or through, not from, the storm, through a creepy Voldemort face that forms in the wind and rain, or maybe sand, and whispers, Harry!
1: Why? Can anybody... Tell me why. Like, why? I want to see a storyboard where, like, oh, and then he sees Voldemort's face in the sky. And it says Harry. Okay, perfect. Who? Why? What purpose does that serve?
0: I want to know why all villains have emphysema.
1: <laughs> you have called an emphysema <laughs> Voldemort before. That's
0: very funny. The Basilisk had it. Voldemort's had it the whole time. He always talks like this. And it's like, what, what is that? Is that just meant to be? Sp- I guess it's meant to be spooky, whatever, and snaky, um, centering on a hiss and, and all that jazz. But it is very funny that that's a through line.
1: It really almost killed me there. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, that hurt. Yeah, I just, I don't get it. I it almost feels like, wasn't there a moment like that in the third movie too? Yes, oh, where Sirius is like in the magic ball, and he's like, oh, "Harry," I'm like, "What? Why? Why? Do you remember that?" It's like,
0: I don't, I have no idea what you're talking I think, about.
1: I think I think I have it. I think it was Hermione kicks the the crystal ball down the stairs when she oh, decides, to, uh-huh. and then he walks it back up and puts it on the thing, and all of a sudden he looks at it and it just has Sirius's face blurred up into it. He goes, "Harry," and then it goes away. I'm pretty sure it was that moment they were just like. okay we
0: love a stage whisper
1: why like in case we forgot as an audience hey this dude's after harry like no not that pretty pretty thorough
2: i'm i'm frankly still a little lost and i can't get out of my head the uh is it the palantirs in lord of the rings (laughs) yes cover it up before sauron can see
1: yes that's pretty much what it was like
0: I've never seen Lord of the Rings. I know, that's why I knew it was wasted on you.
1: <laughs> Fuck it. Ugh, move on. That's the next podcast we're doing.
0: God, in 10 years. <laughs> It'll take When 70- WB stops making Harry Potter movies, no matter how bad they are. Eh, that won't happen. Uh, so we get through all of that business, and suddenly we're at this lovely winter day in Hogsmeade. Yay! Mm-hmm. The trio are making their way down a narrow path to the Hogshead, harry is questioning who would want to be taught by him we're kind of out of the loop here because no one has explicitly like said like hey let's form a group and harry's gonna teach us shit but whatever we're gonna catch up we love that uh ron and hermione are mostly making fun of his modesty but also kind of going along with it they walk into this uh dive bar that i'm sure i've been to in wisconsin <laughs> uh, half a dozen times yeah and it's pretty filthy inside they find aberforth though Not aberforth. we n- never learn that that's who it is
2: i was just gonna say that i i really liked the uh the camera shot i liked it moving backward through the glass uh showing the rats and then down through the hole in the floor to settle above those three walking in it was a, a slick little shot yeah, even before
0: that. that, the the like view of Hogsmeade, it's so charming, and adorable little mountain village. Love it. So Abraford is there. There's also a goat and some other animals. Not really explained, but we'll go with it, um, which is the same thing we do in Wisconsin. Anyway, <laughs> next thing we know, the place is full of faces. Some are familiar, some we don't know. You had better believe that our favorite character, slightly creepy boy, is there. <laughs>
1: Wait, which one's Slightly Creepy Boy?
0: So hilariously, it was only through this that I found out who Slightly Creepy Boy actually is. Okay. So Slightly Creepy Boy is the young man with uh, long dark hair uh, who kind of is the instigator, even though it's supposed to be Zachariah Smith. That's the kid that's sitting next to Slightly Creepy Boy.
1: So Zachariah Smith is the the blonde shithead. Yes. And the creep, he kind of looks like Wolfhard a kid from stranger things
0: yeah i haven't seen that either Little... i'm striking out on references today
1: guys <laughs> nice. the newest ghostbusters he's the brother
0: i haven't seen that either. i, I know who you mean i, Finn, I can
1: speak up wolf wolfhard whatever yep i got you
0: uh <laughs> well it's ryan nelson uh and for some reason he's credited a slightly creepy boy but it's supposed to be michael corner
1: okay 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 ah. okay <laughs>
0: I like slightly creepy boy. I'm sticking with that I, word that word. Brian, seriously, come be a guest on the pod. <laughs> I
1: said you can be our slightly creepy guest.
0: I'm sure that you are listening.
2: I enjoyed the enormous hog's head, which is bigger than any hog that exists. And I like <laughs> that it moved.
1: I'm sorry, it moved?
2: It moves when they walk in.
1: <laughs> I did not. It doesn't move What are lot, you talking about? Is it a But it there? makes
2: a little bit of noise and it
0: moves like the whole place creaks
1: okay i did not catch that
0: we love to see it there are supposed to be about 25 people there and it looks about right yeah give or take
1: i felt like it was really full and also how did we feel about the fact that nobody else is in the bar
0: i'm sorry oh oh like no other customers i was like what are you talking about yeah
2: um well they don't really it's, been, it's a midday meeting, right? Um, okay. So if we're, if we're extending the analogy to a Wisconsin dive bar <laughs> and there is, there's no Packer game on, then I think it, it holds up and it would be pretty empty.
0: Yep, it would be the barman, maybe one regular. Uh, So, Hermione tries to lead the meeting, but it's very quickly derailed by speculation and uh, kind of confrontation, really. And immediately, almost immediately, Harry thinks he sees through everybody's motive for showing up. They all just want to learn about what happened the night that Cedric dies. Dies? Died. Past tense. He's already dead. And he proceeds to kind of tell everyone off and say, like, I'm a loser. Let's get out of here. Nobody actually wants to learned from me. But little Luna, bless her heart, uh, jumps in asking about his ability to produce a Patronus. And Hermione confirms that he can. Neville, Ron, and Hermione also come to his defense listing his accolades. But his modesty kicks in again and he launches into his little monologue about not knowing what he was doing. It was all luck and he had help and blah, 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 whatever. Everybody's like, yeah, you still did all these incredible things. Like all we did is show up to class and like get detention and probably go home heartbroken from some horrible confrontation anyway uh truthfully harry really brings down the mood here but hermione rebuts gently but also dramatically saying that vault she even says voldemort's name out loud it might be the first time i did not fact check this it might be the first time that she says it out loud in the films
1: i believe so well
2: I'm at least i'm like, confident like, it is in the books it is in the yeah.
1: yeah
0: um which i have kind of weird feelings about, because like get, uh, okay, so of course she would feel affected by it being muggle born, but also like she wasn't around for the first wizarding war and neither was her family. Like what fear of God or fear of Dumbledore or Jesus fear of Voldemort, would she really have to be working through I don't know. I was always a little conflicted about that. Like, mm.
2: Yeah, it might just be that it's sort of an audacious moment rather than actually her internal fear.
0: I buy that. I take that. Okay. So she manages to kind of rally the room for the cause, and suddenly everyone is lined up to sign up for Dumbledore's army. Huge book bitch. I'm sure we all know what I'm about to say. I'm sure you both have the same thing. (laughs) there being like no hexed parchment or i know that this doesn't happen here but later on like no galleons with the protein charm it's such a disservice to hermione's character
1: (laughs) oh well we
0: really decided in the later films that it didn't really matter like this was a moment to showcase how advanced she was this was a moment for her to demonstrate what she's bringing like they just spent whatever, 10 minutes blowing Harry, letting him feel about how amazing he is. And now we're just going to skip over this part where like, she performed a very complicated hex to basically swear everyone to secrecy.
1: Maybe it's a deleted scene. Maybe.
0: Do you know that it is? No. Did you do this thing again where you watched no, them without one me? One
1: time. One time <laughs> I glimpsed a deleted scene, and it's like I stabbed you in the heart and twisted the knife. No, well. I don't know that this existed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this exists. But no, it is like very, it's really downplaying the importance of that piece of parchment, and that sucks.
2: Well, in in the books, you don't know at that exact moment right. that it's passed. No she's
0: very cryptic about it
1: i think she does it at their their first meeting i think we should do something to make it more official they said she was like hesitant though she's like just wanna make it more official so she was even nervous about like okay uh, (laughs) sign the shit what did you just talk about cory faustian deal right
0: yes very much so Um,
1: i remember things you say
2: i had some thoughts about uh just kind of their their rallying harry into being willing to uh become their pseudo defense against the dark arts instructor one is that neville refers to the he goes oh he, he killed the basilisk with the basilisk excuse me with a sword in dumbledore's office has everybody been in dumbledore's office
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, my only note on the scene is why is everybody talking so quietly like it's supposed to be like a rapid scene of like he did, this and he did this and he did this and he did oh he did oh he everybody's so like gently speaking i'm like why, what are we trying to not be overheard because nobody's there it's just y'all like i don't <laughs> i don't like I don't, the delivery of the scene i thought it was bizarre overall but yeah also <laughs> yeah you know that certain dumbledore's office no <laughs> like, well, i haven't been there
2: the other thing is just when they when they lay out um and they lay out all the different things that Harry has done and that's valid and it happens in the book. But it just struck me that killing a basilisk with a sword as a 12-year-old boy is like a lot more impressive than, oh, he can produce a patronus. <laughs> <laughs> that is nuts. It is a hundred-foot snake with, with a death stare. And he, he didn't even kill it with magic. He stabbed it.
0: A thousand-year-old giant creature. Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
1: Well, and then he thought of about a hundred dementors at once. Like everything's so quietly said. I'm like, no, that should be (laughs) impressive. That's really fucking impressive. Say that to impress upon the group that he's impressive. It's too quiet of a scene. I don't. I didn't like it.
0: I don't like. I don't like this delivery. I don't think you like this movie.
1: No, I said I. I said I did, didn't I? (laughs) No, I am kind of shitting on it. Well, there are things i like well the very next note i have when they are signing that is i said i do love a good fucking excitement score though like i said <laughs> this score when they're signing they're all excited i'm like yeah that should have been we could have even done that like building up when they're in the um common room and then we had this meeting and then it cues up again oh no that I... okay yeah you're right i am shitting on this movie all right anyway we should keep going
2: <laughs> Hey, I, I also appreciated the camera cutting to show several times Um, as Harry was talking, because in the books, part of the reason he's hesitant is because he does not want to talk about Cedric's death in front of the show. And so they kind of get at that with their decisions, with the camera work, uh, without making it explicit.
0: Mm -hmm. So Bonnie had a reaction. Oh gosh, I didn't write this down, but I do remember during the scene, not on the bridge, uh, in the hog's head, Um, Neville brings up the basilisk and she reacts in that moment and it's like it does take you a minute to think about why she would be reacting to it but then it's like oh right you were there (laughs) you almost died
1: (laughs) she stays real quiet yeah crazy (laughs) never seen that snake though know nothing about it anyway
0: (laughs) oh my god yeah it goes deeper she's the one who told oh god
1: Yeah.
0: Damn it, Jenny. Uh, Cut to the trio plus Neville, Luna, and the twins crossing the wooden bridge back to Hogwarts. Topics in this convo are kind of all over the place. It's ranging from places to practice. Hermione is appreciating rule breaking, and they're like, who the fuck are you? And Hermione's like, Joe wants your D. And (laughs) it's just like, it it does feel very teenager conversation like and bus ride back to school it's yes. all over the place
1: they're excited but I, I did note in this moment that Ginny definitely her face falls when she says Cho couldn't keep her eyes off you could she and her face falls I'm like she's doing a lot of reactive work in this movie she is more so than I've ever noticed remember I told you in Grimald plays when they're first like trying to listen to the extendable ears um Harry's talking she she comes up and he goes hey Jenny, and she waves but she kind of like holds her hand there kind of awkwardly she's doing some like Reaction work of like, oh, okay, it's so a kind of a crush on you. Hey, <laughs> like, she's she's given it. I'm actually proud of her in this movie.
0: The, I mean, the only issue that I have with that is that she's supposed to be over it, banging around with a bunch of other dudes by this point. The whole reason she that be with Smith is with slightly, <laughs> slightly
2: creepy boy,
0: slightly <laughs> creepy boy. Oh. Poor Jenny. Uh Harry suggests that over the next few days, they all think of some options for places to practice. And the camera pans up to a never-before-seen balcony that maybe used to be a clock? Isn't this the spot that like Harry used to stand behind dramatically in, in Prisoner of Azkaban?
1: Right. And it doesn't even look like they're actually there. It looks like a green screen.
0: I mean, they Probably are.
1: They're very oddly placed where I'm like, I don't think this is a real spot.
0: Yeah, the they we are referring to oh, is sorry. Umbridge, and she's looking out menacingly, and Filch approaches her and they have a little whispered exchange.
1: Yep.
0: Before the scene changes and we get a wham bam, poundy pound pound. Filch is posting another educational decree in the Great Hall. Entrance hall, excuse me. Uh, in the books, this was educational decree number twenty-four, as discussed on a previous pod. Here we see it is number sixty-eight, and it is disbanding all student clubs. So somehow the word got back to Umbridge that they were going to start an army.
1: Well, because of her creepy leering. Yes, creepy That's leering. How. She she gets a uh, she hears the echo of their talking, and then it's the next decree.
0: Yes, there you go. Brilliant. Uh we hear Umbridge announcing the decree on an intercom. Again, electricity. Who knows? Whatever. Uh and we find Neville being assaulted in the corridor by Crab and Goyle. Teenage boys are dicks.
2: Cool. Here we go. <laughs> I hate I hate. I hate in movies when the teenage bullies, it's always it's two guys who are just 30 pounds overweight. They're two years older than the other characters. They do something totally unimaginative. Like they, you know, it's a really, really bad insult. It's something awful, uh, awfully written. And then they high five and that's how you know that they are antagonists. And I hate it. They could have been wearing letter jackets. It would have fit right in. Yeah.
0: You're right. That is a hilarious trope. Uh, I guess I don't know. I don't watch enough, um, UK television to know if it is also a UK trope, but it does feel like a very American high school, like bully slamming a kid up against a locker. And then like you said, walking away and high-fiving. I don't know that I ever high-fived someone in the hallway of my high
2: school.
1: Especially after, (laughs) I was a dick, right? You were a total dick. Good job. That's
2: what it is. Yeah, you are a jerk. Great job.
1: Cool. Good job being
2: that guy.
1: The one note I have before Neville goes or as the remove requirement door forms, um, a note for Corey for throwback, our um, Hogwarts torch budget got increased.
0: Yeah, they're everywhere suddenly. They're
1: everywhere. We joked in the first movie or two that like just wherever they happen to be, it looked like it's probably just the same torch prop moved <laughs> around to wherever they just happen to need one. And now there's like a fuck ton. They all look kind of great. They got owls carved into them. I'm like, oh. Really, we have come a long way.
0: Hey, it's the ministry interfering at Hogwarts. They're Like more lighting. More lighting. <laughs> more lighting. You know what'll help? Keep the kids from making out in the corners. That's more lighting. That's smart. More lighting. So Neville shakes it off and he carries on, on his way down the corridor. Uh, as he walks by a stretch of bare wall, a door kind of begins to appear. It feels very... The mummy. I've never seen the mummy, but I imagine there's a scene that involves something like this. I don't know. It it gives me very like, wow, something's being carved in front of my eyes out of sandstone and the sand is like falling away and
1: Any like know, tomb like... movie, yeah, where like all of a sudden the door is there or slides out kind of Yeah. I feel you. Okay. So I have seen takes... the mummy and I could not tell you if that was a scene.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I everyone keeps telling me I need to see it, that I would love it, but I Whatever. People said that about Lord of the Rings, too. So here we are.
1: Well, some people are right. Boop,
0: boop. He takes a few steps back, and the door continues to appear in front of him. It eventually opens, and it frames him in the corridor. But we don't get to see it until a second later. We get a voiceover from Hermione. We get that lovely little audio overlap transition that we adore Mm -hmm. uh, that was very popular in uh, in, um, movie Three. three. And Hermione brings us inside of the room of requirement, which naturally she knows all about. Sure. She explains that it appears to those in need, appearing equipped with whatever they require. OK, so this is a book bitch. Technically, I'm trying not to like be too upset about it because I do love a win for Neville. I love any moment that we can highlight that Neville is fucking awesome. But, I don't like the like he accidentally found it when he wasn't looking for it. Thing. yeah, like, oh, I just happened to walk by this perfect place. like
1: I would have taken the was it crab and goyle? Yeah. I would have taken them like following him like, all right, come back here, <laughs> long bottom or something, and he's tr- like trying to evade them, and then it showed up. Just walking past when he's upset felt cheap.
2: well, it's just logically if you only had to walk past it once. I think everyone would know about it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It wouldn't be a very
0: well-kept secret. In addition to that, right here, it looks like it's just off of the entrance hall. Like, it's supposed to be on the seventh floor in a random corridor with a troll trying to keep— or somebody trying to teach trolls uh, ballet.
1: Oh. Tapestry, Barney,
0: yeah, Barney Barnabas, Barnabas the something. Wow, I didn't do my research this episode at all because I don't have these names up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We
1: are good at our jobs.
0: but like you said, it could just be like anybody could just randomly walk by it. Like Dumbledore needed to take a shit. Like, oh, here it is, great, a room full of chamber pots,
1: Barnabas the Barmy.
0: There you go,
1: right. It was a, oh, the troll tapestry it was an enormous moving tapestry depicting Barnabas, the Barmy's foolish attempts, I think, to teach trolls ballet.
0: There you go. I knew it was something about trolls being taught ballet. Sure, sure, sure. OK. Um, so my book bitch here, in addition to that, is that we don't have Dobby. Oh. Dobby tells Harry about the Room of Requirement, and he knows about it because. He takes God. drunken winky there. God,
1: drunk Winky. <laughs> Aw we miss so much.
0: So I understand. We're condensing the plot of a very detailed book. And we have characters that are involved in this in the book that don't exist. So like, okay, I get it. But it does feel very much like we let's go. We don't have time. We don't have time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's go. We got a spot. Let's go. I
0: will say, though, I really love Harry's line here where he says, it's like Hogwarts wants us to fight back. That was good writing. This is the only movie that was not written by, oh my god, I just had his name up. What was it? This is the only film that was the screenplay that was not written by Steve Kloves.
1: Oh, Um, really?
0: Yeah, he was offered it and apparently turned it down because of exhaustion.
1: (laughs) Okay, fair.
0: Uh, and who was the screenwriter for this one? I did have this up before and I just closed the tab. Uh, so Michael Goldenberg wrote the screenplay for Order of the Phoenix. It's the only okay. one that wasn't written by uh, Stephen Cloves. And I think that you can tell, like, we've already made a couple of comments about things feeling a little wonky. And I think it's just because, oh, we've gotten used to Stephen's writing for four films. Agreed. and now suddenly we're thrown into michael's
1: yeah somebody doesn't maybe know as much we talked about that some clunky clunky things that are kind of plopped in as, as expositions like meh, all right
2: well and i'll just say that i mean, you've mentioned of course you're gonna have to make some cuts it's such a long book but the runtime of this movie not that long no two hours 15
0: yeah it really isn't Especially when you consider how much longer it is than all of the other books. Like the only one close to it is um,
1: Goblet of Fire. Yeah. No, they had time to, to flesh this out a little differently than they did, but. Uh, and then there we are. We're in the
0: first meeting of Dumbledore's army. Everyone is lined up in front of this little magical crash test dummy.
1: Do not like it.
0: Don't like it. Never have. Think I think it's weird.
1: I thought it moved today and I went, no. my first visceral reaction was oh god it moved (laughs) like i don't need a dummy to move i never i never need a dummy to move
0: so i've okay i feel like i sailed past the room of requirement a little bit what are your guys' thoughts here
1: on how it looks
0: yes how does it look this is our first introduction to it
1: i felt lied to because the room is supposed to be like appropriate for whatever you need like based on the whatever your needs, this felt like no. This is the way it is. It always looks this way. I'm like, should it.
2: Right like, for so I agree. It's supposed to be amorphous and, and change based on your needs. Um, I envisioned almost just a, a warehouse. You just need space and the pillows that they mentioned.
1: The pillows, and the cushions, the books, the bookcases with all the bookcases
2: the- with with spell work available. Um, Sneakoscope's. Like
1: yeah. There's
0: a, a whole bunch of shit that's supposed to be in there, and this just looks like an empty room. I don't know.
1: This feels a little bit like the um, the chamber under the, st- under the... What am I talking about? The Chamber of Secrets? Or just is like this what, huge...
0: Is is that what you're talking about? I don't know.
1: <laughs> Hold on. What was the one? No, which one am I in? The first one? No. Yeah, so more, more Chamber of Secrets, which is like this big, wide-open arch-stone... Yeah, chamber, where it's like... Uh-huh. No, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't like it. I didn't care for the aesthetic of it, to be honest. Yeah, and this,
0: even just this concept of like everybody lining up and one at a time practicing expelliarmus against this crash test dummy. Yeah, that's boring as shit. Was like that's not
2: what well, happens. <laughs> there's something super bizarre going on here. So first, they say that we the room equips you with whatever you need. You know, the reason that you need it, whatever you require. And so the room provided this dummy, and they use the dummy for Expelliarmus. You don't need a dummy to practice Expelliarmus. Yeah. You need a dummy if you want to practice stupefy. Do they use a dummy when they practice stupefy? No, they do that on each
1: other. <laughs> they fling each other around. Right, and there's no cushions, there's no mats, there's just like a metal grate, which I'm like, again, the metal grate I think only comes in handy later when uh, Jenny like, inviscerates the dummy or whatever but i'm like but how would the room know that they're gonna explode the dummy <laughs> like, what why provide i didn't No, i didn't like it <laughs> I, don't, I don't like it
0: yeah i really really wanted more out of not only the room of requirement which i dislike that it was in like she initially introduces it as the come and go room doesn't she i think she says the come and go room and then she says otherwise known as the room of requirement i'm like no 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 no. come and go room is used like once when dobby introduces it and it's never mentioned again <laughs> well the
1: joke of the room is everybody calls it something different
0: that's also true
1: that's that's what You can't be like oh, also known as i'm like no you don't know that everybody calls it something different because different people discovered at different times i
2: did like the little easter egg of ron uh, bringing up the hypothetical of somebody needs to go to the bathroom because that is a callback to Dumbledore mentioning it for the first time in the fourth book.
1: Yes. yes. Love I that. I appreciated that too. Yeah. That's good. Okay.
0: Although, again, the, the squibs, that's totally lost on the squibs. That's for people who know the books well.
1: No, it's great for the squibs because, haha, <laughs> fart joke. <laughs> oh, that's also true. Toilet humor. That's why it's Poops. in there. It's great.
0: Poops are funny. <laughs> So we're treated to a lovely little montage of some DA meetings, and then interspersed with some Defense Against the Dark Arts lessons where they aren't using magic. And there's also clips of Filch trying to catch students from five feet away. I hated the chase scene with Filch, where it's just like, oh, they're just out of reach, and then they disappear behind that wall. Dagnabbit. Like I'm like, what is? what are we watching?
1: I just wrote, I don't need Filch times two.
0: No, I don't need him there.
1: I don't need him. He's not funny. It's not a funny bit. I don't like him. I don't need this.
0: I really feel like our next podcast, other instead of Lord of the Rings, really needs to be a deep dive into how he got so many cameos in these films.
1: <laughs> okay, maybe that'll be my probably unanswerable question someday. Like <laughs> here's what who I found
0: out. Does he know? Because it doesn't make sense. Like if they need to get rid of a character, that's the character you can get rid of and you're not losing any fucking plot.
1: Right. We have a villain every movie. We're good. We have Voldemort at all times. We have Malfoy at all times. We have uh, Umbridge in this one. We have villains a-, a-, a plenty. We don't need Filch. I don't need a Filch. So
2: with the bit of him not being able to catch them going into the room, what exactly are we supposed to... To believe like why could they not have just gone directly to umbridge and said they're in the the come and go room that apparently everybody knows about and she would have been like cool great we're, we're gonna camp out and wait i realized they showed him going out of back way but i have faith that if umbridge had known where they were from the beginning that she would have caught them and shut it down immediately it doesn't yeah. make any sense
0: well, and that is how she catches them in the book eventually. She has to learn where they are from a member of Dumbledore's army. And it's only after that that she's able to find them, because the whole bit with the room, which again, they never really explain, but whatever. Uh, we don't explain things in these movies, um, is that you know they are looking for a place that they can't be found.
1: Right. So- that was my only thing to close that loophole, too, was that the room also is unable to be found again. But again, like you're saying, it's still the same stretch of wall. Like, you know, it's still the same stretch stretch of wall.
0: wall. He's sitting in front of it. Like they know where they are. Even if it's, eh, I I don't know. I didn't didn't need this bit of Filch trying to catch them, trying to catch them, whatever. Um, So this whole little montage ends with Filch posting decree number 82, stating that students must submit for questioning. And I will just say, this moment would have been more dramatic if we knew that the parchment had been hexed. But I digress. I actually think I went a little bit over where uh, I was supposed to cut off. So I'm yeah, gonna... I think they just
1: they sneak out at one minute, one hour, one minute and five seconds. They're just sneaking ah, okay. Out so they're they
0: sneaking out the as Brock mentioned. They're sneaking yeah. out kind of a, a back way so that uh, Filch cannot see them. And that's, that's where we're going to leave it today. That's it. That's all, folks.
1: The only thing I noted this time that I'd never caught before, because, again, I had the captions on, when Ron and uh, Hermione are dueling or practice dueling and one of the twins says the other, one sickle, he's going to bet him one <laughs> sickle never caught that in my life <laughs> he's like oh you're on and then also he slaps a coin in his hand i never i've never heard that before <laughs> i just always said i i don't know what i thought i'd heard before but it wasn't that it was like oh sickle oh their money <laughs> i
2: find it hard to believe that either one of them would have been willing to bet on ron yeah
0: <laughs> agreed <laughs> absolutely it's also
1: that also that okay Corey, do you got questions
0: I do. Uh, what are y'all gonna post on the wall like an educational decree to keep for yourself, Brock? Why don't you go first?
1: Yeah, Brock, start us off. Uh,
2: I enjoyed the camera shot as they walk into the Hog's Head, as well as, like I said, the enormous animatronic Hog's Head itself.
0: Yes, I did. That was something I only noticed for the first time this watch through. That it was the Hog's Head is moving.
1: I have to look back. I missed it entirely, so I'm excited.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I would keep on the wall. Oh, Ginny giving it Oh. her reactions. I'm like, okay, she's just quietly acting the fuck out of this scene. Good for you. Good for you. Good for you. Corey, what about you?
0: Uh, I'm going to keep Harry's line, Hogwarts wants us to fight back. Mm-hmm. I've always liked that, especially with the little score that you said that you appreciated, the... Come on, we're going to do it, score. Um, we love it. OK, uh, what are you going to stupefy at a DA meeting? <laughs>
2: um, it was the manner in which Neville found the room of requirement, uh, just walking past it once. But you know, logically, doesn't hold up. And I, I didn't think that it would have been so difficult um, to make that accurate to the books. Yeah.
0: Agreed, 100% agreed.
1: Um, the force ghost of Sirius in the fire. <laughs> I didn't like
0: it. <laughs> didn't now like that I that. came up with the Zordon idea, I'm actually kind of into it. I don't know. If that just speaks to my childhood, I guess. I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did you not like? What would you?
0: So it just uh, it feels like we got to this point in the script, and Steve was like, "Oh shit, we gotta go." <laughs> Like I had been looking forward to seeing scenes with Dumbledore's army for mm-hmm. years. I was so excited to see that. And it's mushed into like a two-minute montage.
1: Yeah. It's an upbeat we... music though.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah great music, <laughs> great music.
1: Isn't that enough for you? Can I do it? Yeah, let's say yes, let's say yes. I'm sorry.
0: Okay. So that's not something specific that I'm cutting. It's just, I'm just whining about that. What else is new?
1: The absence of the DA. I get it. I appreciate While it. While we're at
2: it, why doesn't stupefy stupefy them? Thank you.
1: What do you mean? Like, kind of paralyze them a bit or? It's to, knock to knock them, the them out. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Wouldn't Expelliarmus be more of like a disarming? Yeah.
0: yeah. Your I wand mean, goes
1: away and maybe you th- get pushed back.
0: Yeah. They turn Expelliarmus into like a throw you across the room uh, in the movies, but in the books, it literally just, it flings your wand out of your hand. That's that's all that's supposed to happen there. Yeah,
1: don't worry about it. Okay, Corey, do you have a puke this week?
0: I do have a puke. What's your puke? And it's only slightly disturbing. Mm. It's more hilarious. Uh, and it comes with, like it builds off of how many people actually know about the Room of Requirement. Like we know that it was used, by many, many people. Uh, we can base that off of the number of items that were hidden in there. you know I think Draco refers to it as the room of hidden things or the room of lost things or something like that in book six. Um, and so it's been used for centuries by students maybe only that one time when they needed to hide something, maybe several times. We don't know how many people. But like, how many kids do you think? stumbled across it and used it for uh
1: nope i nope. mean come on this is come a pg on. podcast look, okay. if you are at
0: boarding school <laughs> and you have nowhere to go you're sharing a, a bedroom a dorm room <sighs> with four or five other people look i refuse to believe that every 17 year old that graduated hogwarts was a virgin and i even <laughs> further refuse to believe that no one used that goddamn room to hook up okay. it comes
2: equipped with whatever you need oh, like come listen, on baby, <laughs> listen baby i got a spot it's got contraceptives it's got silk sheets whatever music you
1: want whatever music you want is gonna be playing why? we could why? have every a small we have... orchestra like why, <laughs> why? why, why, why we get here every time every time you're we, we can get have here.
0: butterbeer champagne <laughs> <laughs> whatever you want also that's the other thing like it could be a bomb ass party room like forget getting freaky but be like oh hey like they're already always talking about sneaking down to the kitchens to get stuff which mm, that is true the the room cannot supply food that oh. is explicitly staten stated staten hi staten Island. <laughs> um that is explicitly stated
1: Okay.
2: We don't talk about that. Whatever house cells have to clean up after it's used for that are pissed.
1: But, but, right! They're using it again! (laughs) (laughs) It should clean itself, okay? If it's really a great room, it should clean itself. We have to think, too, like, what else... Yeah, I mean, that has to be something you assume it's used for. What else would it be used for? I mean, we hear a few things, like, it's hiding people, or it's hiding Winky's drunkenness, but, like, was it built with sinister purposes? (laughs) Or... Why was it even made?
2: I mean, like a study room. Do
1: we know who created
2: it?
0: So we can assume that Rowena Ravenclaw had a hand in it because she designed most of the building. I did not Um, know that. Um, yeah, she was. She worked with. Oh God, who's that statue of in the entrance hall? We learned that we learned this one day. I don't we remember did. his name.
1: First movie. She is the in the guy with the, entrance with the thing.
0: hall. He's the guy who built. It's the statue of the architect. He doesn't have a name. That's right.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, like you said, what else would it be used for? I'm sorry, it's a party room. Fully, fully uh, support that theory.
1: Um, this individual was the architect responsible for planning and designing Hogwarts Castle, along with founder Rowena Ravenclaw, who devised oh. Oh. the ever-changing floor plan. It's just an yeah. It doesn't really have a name, it's just the architect.
0: She was thinking of her students.
1: Yeah. Okay. Maybe it was. Maybe it was a study room for kids that didn't like the library. Who knows. Maybe yeah, maybe really good I mean
0: maybe initially started that way as just a Ravenclaw thing. Like you only got to know about it if you were a Ravenclaw.
1: Like the Prefect's bathroom. I see. I see. Yeah. I
0: see. Which we've already established the Prefect's bathroom is totally a hookup spot. Okay, so like not... by the end of this film <laughs> series, we are going to have identified all of the good hookup places in Hogwarts anyway.
1: Okay. Uh, and that's why you listen. That's why I listen to this podcast. All right. Well, thank you so much, Brock, for being on again with us. We appreciate you every time. I'm sorry that the theories keep getting dirtier and dirtier. I apologize. Um, I think
0: this is way (laughs) less dirty than giant
2: sex, but (sighs) whatever. You're not
1: discussing giant (laughs) sex. You remember the giant sex conversation? I
2: do. uh, That's, yeah, that's one that I was on.
1: Yeah. So yes, I do recall. This is your fault. Okay. Thank you all for (laughs) joining us and listening in. Listen in next week. Find us on all the socials, on the YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. (laughs) That one. We will see you all next week. Thank you. I love you guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys. Bye. Not my Aberforth. (laughs) My Aberforth is Kieran Hines in the last movies. Fuck this guy.
0: Okay.
1: (laughs) Like and. (sighs)
0: Okay, I'll let it go. It do you want to matter. talk more about it? No, I feel it doesn't like matter. you have feelings. This was, is this like the Kenneth Branagh thing where I just need to sit back and relax?
2: <laughs>
1: like... I will end this call. <laughs> I will hang up so fast. No, it's not that. It's just he's he's played by this dude in this movie, right? But we don't actually say that it's Aberforth. And we don't actually say that that's the barman. That's his only scene. It's just dude with a goat who walks out. We're like, all right, so we can do the math there that that's Aberforth. But in the seven, se- uh, seven movie, eighth movie, it's Kieran Hines who's. Yes, a lover of mine from a long time ago. I've loved him ever since Persuasion. It was made in the 90s. He's a beautiful man. Um, he's a lover of yours? Yeah. What? <laughs> well, yes, he's like 80 years old now. I... <laughs> oh, no wonder
2: you feel so strongly.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, long-standing bang. Blushing now.